Well, welcome to Interactive Faith. Glad you found us. Hope the uh, sound works fine for you. You can let us know on the message board if something isn't working quite right. Jake Miller, who's here helping me, will do his best to correct it. Um, but I hope everything is, is uh, coming through well. Before we go any farther, uh, after some conversations with some of you after last Wednesday's uh, Interactive Faith, uh, maybe some instructions on in setting up the room. Now you can do what you want and you will do what you want. But if you're in a room with a handful of couples or five, 10, 20 couples, now is the time to arrange your chairs into groups of two or three couples. So if you have tables, two or three couples at a table. If you're just sitting together in a big group, uh, don't sit like a classroom. Get in groups of two or three couples together, maybe in a semicircle or at a table so that you can all see the screen. And you might want to change up the seating from last week so you get to meet some other people. Couples sit together, uh, not across the table from each other. You're going to have some conversations where it's better for you to turn to each other and have that conversation than to talk across a table with somebody else talking across the table right next to you. So I'll give you a minute just to go ahead and arrange your room that way. As soon as you get seated and uh, everything situated in your room, introduce yourself just to the people in your group. If you're sitting in groups of two or three couples, just your group. Tell each other your name, where you grew up, and your favorite restaurant. Uh, so it doesn't take long. Um, it takes about 10 seconds each. Uh, Randy Hunter, St. Paul, Minnesota, Louisiana's restaurant in Middleton, Wisconsin. So. There you have it. You have about a minute and a half. Introduce yourself just to the people in your group with those three points.
Well, I hope you had the chance to introduce yourselves to each other. Let me introduce myself again. I had a lengthy introduction last week. You can find that archived at the Interactive Faith site, Enriching Marriage 1A or 1B. But this is my wife. Karen and I have been married for 31 years. She's on the tandem bicycle with me as we're making our way through a park in Door County, Wisconsin. This picture, somebody asked, how did you get that picture? And this was just before we hit the tree. No, no, that's a joke. We, we didn't hit the tree. Uh, we had a great time biking through, uh, through the woods, and I've had a great time being married to Karen for 31 years. For, 30, uh, for 32 years. For 31 years, I have served as pastor at St. Andrew in Middleton. It's uh, on the west side of Madison. If you're ever in Madison, I invite you to stop by and say hello. I'd love to show you around. These uh, classes on marriage are brought to you by Wells Adult Discipleship. These are the kinds of things Wells Adult Discipleship does to help churches in these areas. If we can help you, contact Pastor Gary Pufal, the chairman of Wells Adult Discipleship. He'd love to hear from you and, and see what we can do to help you. These marriage enrichment weekends, Wells Marriage Enrichment and Getaway Weekends, are held in each district every other year. Um, that, that means they move around quite a bit. This year, the stars indicate where we're holding Wells Marriage Enrichment and Getaway Weekends. That's a Friday through Sunday event of uh, enriching your marriage with faith-strengthening Word of God and gospel motivation and practical uh, help for living in this gift of marriage. If you see a star anywhere near you or a place where you'd like to go for a destination getaway, go to wells.net. There, go to wells.net and uh, you'll find information. If you search for marriage enrichment or marriage retreats, you'll find the information there. Wells Marriage Enrichment and Getaway Weekends combine teaching and interaction among a large group of people and also interaction between you. That's the most important, that for all we're learning, it comes down to applying this to our marriage and have important conversations between just the two of us. And that's the flow from Friday evening through Sunday morning. I invite you to check those out and join us at one near you. If you're in the Midwest, let me highlight this one, only because it's the next one available with uh, occupancy left, um, in Zion, Illinois. It's called Healthy Marriage. Uh, those who study public health have determined that there are social determinants of health that determine the health of a general population by a factor of 90% rather than the 10% of biology and genetics. 90% is probably a factor of economic stability, healthcare, neighborhood environment, education, social context, and the like. Well, turns out Jesus teaches us how to have a healthy life with him and how to have a healthy life with each other in marriage. And there are certain biblical determinants of a healthy life with God, that we know him, that we appreciate him, that we trust him, that we manage our conflict with him, the conflict of sin, through repentance and forgiveness, and that we connect with him through the means of grace he's given us. Well, in marriage too, in a Christian marriage, a husband and wife want to know him and each other, to appreciate what God has done for us and each other, to trust him and each other, to receive forgiveness from God and show it to each other, and have this connection with God and, and do things that build our connection with each other too. Biblical determinants of a healthy marriage. 
I've taught, uh, written and taught over 70 classes on marriage, but I'm very excited about healthy marriage and what it can mean to you. Valentine's Day is coming up. If you're in the area uh, or within a few hour drive, love to see you in Zion, Illinois. But you're here for Simply Marriage. Do you remember the old Waylon Jennings song? Maybe it's time we got back to the basics of life. Something about Lukenbach, Texas. Well, Simply Marriage is a class to boil marriage down to five simple actions that we can do. Five simple practices. Now, they're on page two in uh, your study guide. We're just going to take a piece of one of those tonight. One of those actions. Appreciate our incompatibility. First, we'll understand reasons for our incompatibility and apply the gospel as a solution to our incompatibility. Uh, and then we'll learn how to respond to understand what maximizers and minimizers are. I get a kick out of asking engaged couples, tell me where you're incompatible. And usually the response is, oh, pastor, we are, we are so compatible in every way as they're looking at me through rose-colored glasses. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, just wait. Now listen, maybe you are perfectly compatible in every way, and then your challenge is boredom, right? It's a blessing, but it can also be a challenge. But when you encounter areas where you see your incompatibility, it helps to be convinced that our incompatibility is more about us than it is about you. Here are four reasons why. One of the reasons why is we change. Now you, you might think you know this person you marry and you do, but you're different a year later and you're different five years later. And if you've been married 20 or 30 or 50 years, you know how you and your spouse have changed. This may have sounds uh, familiar, uh, similar to something we did last week, but it's different too. Privately, record three ways you've changed since you were first married. You'll tell just your spouse in a minute. The little guy thinking is an indication that it's time for silence. I'll play a little music while you think, and then a little music too while you're talking to each other. But some people need that time to think first before they speak. And if that's not you, I know this is hard but try to uh, just understand the way others are built and how they learn and process information. I'll tell you when a minute is up, and then you'll tell each other the three ways you've changed since you were first married.
you know, when we were first married, um, I was not a husband, and then I became a husband. I was not a father, and then I became a father. I was not a pastor, and then I became a pastor. And then certain roles and certain skills get developed and certain responsibilities and certain experiences. So, so we change. Turn to your spouse and compare your lists, what you've written about your changes. This is just between the two of you. By the way, I want to give some credit here. I see Brianna Lambrecht is one of the people in the room. Brianna, if you see the beautiful graphics that we use um, for Simply Marriage, Mysterious Marriage, Richer Marriage, Healthy Marriage, Brianna is the artist behind this. So thank you, Brianna. In your group, agree on two implications this has for marriage. This meaning that you've changed. Now don't tell each other the three ways you've changed. That's not the point. Uh, that's between you. But the fact that changes have occurred. Agree on two implications this has for your, for your marriage. And as soon as you have them, feed them to the person at the keyboard and immediately enter them into the message box. And we'll wait for each other's responses and learn implications this has for our marriage.
Ben, I'm not sure what you mean by affects physical health, but I can imagine all kinds of ways. If I weren't married, I can only imagine how much bacon I would eat. My wife sort of helps rein that in a little bit. What we're going to notice in these implications is that some seem to be positive and some seem to be negative. The changes happen to everybody. And then we can either take those changes and they hurt our marriage or they can help our marriage. But the changes are going to occur. There's no way around that. I've heard couples say, maybe you have too. We just grew apart. Ever heard that? A marriage is failing. What happened? Well, we just grew apart. We watch a TV show. We don't, other than sports, we only watch one show, and it's uh, This Is Us, that, that new show that's been out since fall. I guess This Is Us, or as my son likes to point out, the correct grammar would be These Are We, not This Is Us, but it's This Is Us. And in the episode, most recent episode, there was a couple divorcing, and the reason given was well, we just grew apart. And then other couples were asking each other, well, are we just growing apart? And, and that's not really accurate. It's not just that we grew apart. Um, it's that you stopped repenting. And you stopped remembering the vows you made to God and to each other and keeping them through repentance and faith and strengthening. Well, those are good implications we've discovered about one reason for our incompatibility, that we change. Marriage is such a big institution, it changes us and we change. But there are more reasons, and we saw these last week. These are on page three in your study guide. On the bottom of page three. Um, reasons for our incompatibility, look at Genesis 3, 11 to 13. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The reason for our incompatibility, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, is Satan himself. Look at Jesus' words in Matthew 18. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Jesus acknowledged this world has a hand in it. It is so fallen, sin is everywhere. Mark 7, 21 to 22, a reminder that all these sins that are listed there come from where? Our own hearts. We have reasons that we know and we understand for our incompatibility. Look at the passage on page 4. Ephesians 5, 21 to 23. I'm going to point out three verses to you, and then you're going to have some work to do with this passage. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So after the Apostle Paul lists this, this, uh, fruit, these gifts of the Spirit and what the Spirit is doing in us and how we are filled with the Spirit, the last item he lists is, and now you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And submit just means to graciously allow something to go someone else's way instead of insisting on your own way. And there's nothing inferior about that. 
There's, there's nothing demeaning about that. The son submitted to the father's will, and that's not demeaning or inferior. And when I choose to allow someone to have his or her way, instead of insisting on my own way, that's submitting. But it's not demeaning, and it's not inferior. It's my choice. That's verse 21. Verse 22, wives, here's what you do. You do the same thing to your husbands the way we all do to the Lord. Again, putting your husband ahead of yourself uh, instead of insisting on your own way. And then verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Well, that would mean putting your wife ahead of yourself, not what you want, but graciously choosing to allow things to go her way instead of insisting on your own way. So this submit is a beautiful word that explains how we reflect what Jesus has done in order to make us God's children. And it's the way Christians treat one another. Special roles for husbands, special roles for wives. Now, from Ephesians 5, 21 to 33, and you can use all of it, it's all fair game, determine solutions to our incompatibility. So we noted our incompatibility. You find in these verses, solutions. Type your responses into the message box as soon as you have them. Send them to whoever's at the keyboard so we can all benefit from them.
I appreciate your honesty, Greg. I'm not sure what you mean by getting out of my own way, but uh, I think I do because I think I get in my own way sometimes. As we would continue to list these items, I'm going to change the camera angle here. You would also see a difference. You'd see really two lists. You'd see the, the list of things we do, many of the things you mentioned, and I just jotted down a few of them. And you'd also see a list of things Jesus has done are things Jesus has done for you to give you peace with God, the forgiveness he's won for us, the way he solves our conflict with the Father, the way he put us first, the way he's loved us. We'll say, Jesus and us. Those two lists are the solution to our incompatibility. Beginning with Jesus and what he's done for us and then flowing through to us and how we respond to the good news of what Jesus has done for us. We're gonna wrap this part up this way privately complete this sentence. One thing I want to try to do to put you first is, this is just going to be between you and your spouse. I'll uh, tell you when a minute is up, so you get a chance to think. That's that little guy down there thinking. One minute of silence, as hard as it is, one minute of silence. Well, you just prepare to tell your spouse, one thing I want to try to do to put you first is. And I'll tell you when one minute is up and you can turn to your spouse and tell each other. And here's how we're going to do this. Turn to your spouse, even move your chairs if you can, so that you're toe to toe, knee to knee, holding hands. And husband, you go first. Complete the sentence, one thing I want to try to do to put you first is. I'll play some music for background music. If that works for you, great. If not, you can just mute it on your end.
Are you a maximizer or are you a minimizer? And which is your spouse? I'll teach you what each one means and then you can determine what that means for your marriage and how you treat each other. Let's start with the minimizer. We'll call them turtles. What does a turtle do when under stress? A turtle withdraws and pulls into its shell. Well, the minimizer, if your spouse is a minimizer, or if you're the minimizer, you act just like that. You're like a turtle. You pull into yourself. When there's stress, you want time alone. You want distance from other people. You appreciate keeping things on an even keel. You like to reflect on something in your shell and then come out and offer your input on it. Now to some people, that would seem like slow and plotting, but this isn't a weakness. This is a strength. Slow and steady wins the race. Um, if you're married to a minimizer, they just need you to trust them and let them loose and maybe coax them out. We'll talk about that in a minute. Or are you a maximizer? Or is your spouse a maximizer? That's like a hailstorm. And what do hailstorms do? They pelt down hail. And uh, when you're under stress, if you're a maximizer, that's what it looks like. You're very outwardly oriented. You process your feelings outwardly, maybe even talking about them, and you process them quickly. And you respond quickly, whether it's a spontaneous kind of activity or a question asked, if you're a maximizer, that's how you recharge. Maximizers like lists. Uh, if you're a maximizer or married to one, that's the person with the list of 15 things to do. And they never get them all done, 
But that's okay, they don't mind it. They just like having that list. Turtles and hailstorms. Here's what happens. The deeper a turtle withdraws into his or her shell, the harder the hailstorm hails to get at that inside the shell. And the harder the hailstorm hails, the deeper the turtle draws into its shell. So here's a question. Why do turtles marry hailstorms? It could be some sort of powerful magnet we have that draws us to someone whose strengths are different from my strengths. Or it could just be the Lord's sense of humor, too. Uh, we are different. My wife and I are different. I'm a hailstorm, so when I'm under stress, people around me tend to know it. When Karen's under stress, she tends to pull back into her shell. You never know it. I would because I sleep with her, and I know she's tossing and turning or not sleeping, but, but outwardly, you don't see it. So here's the question, which are you? Are you a turtle or are you a hailstorm? And I know a lot of people are thinking, well, I could be either. Of course, we all are both. But when you're under stress, which tends to come out most naturally? And if you don't know, if you really don't know, ask your spouse, because you'll probably get a pretty clear answer there. And if you really still can't decide, then choose the one that's the opposite of your spouse. Everyone has to determine now, am I primarily a turtle, primarily a hailstorm, or just pick one? I'll pause for a minute while you make sure you've got your identity figured out. So one, you're in Christ, and two, you're a turtle or you're a hailstorm. Go ahead and make sure you know which one you are. And now we need to move. All the turtles go to the left side of the room. All the hailstorms go to the right side of the room. You can stand, you could sit, that's up to you. You could keep the chairs where they are, just go sit in a different chair or take your chair with you. I'm, I'm not sure how your room is set up. But all the turtles get up, move to the left side. All the hailstorms get up, move to the right side. I'll pause while we do that rearranging. Now each group needs to choose a recorder for your group. Someone who's going to keep the answers to the problem I'm about to give you and then get them to the person at the keyboard as soon as possible. So make sure you choose a recorder for your group, someone who will keep the answers and get them to the person at the keyboard. <coughs> All right, you have that recorder chosen? If not, you can always just play the nose game. Here's what you do. Turtles, list hailstorm behaviors that are upsetting to turtles. So you're the turtles. Tell the hailstorm, here's what you do that upsets turtles. 
hailstorms on the other side of the room, you list the things turtles do, turtle behaviors that upset hailstorms. Now remember, these aren't right or wrong necessarily. They both could be or they both could not be. They're, they're, they're just different. So turtles, you make your list. Hailstorms, you make your list. When you type them up, would you please do it this way? Turtles blank and turtles do whatever. Hailstorms do whatever. Uh, just so that we can make sure we're understanding what it is you're saying. So just precede your comment with turtles, colon, they do these things, hailstorms, colon, they do these things. And we'll learn from each other. So as soon as you have responses, type them into the message board and let's learn from each other. Your answers are reflecting well the differences between turtles and hailstorms. And you're also reflecting how those behaviors irritate us. Even though they're not wrong, they're just different from the way I think. If I'm a turtle, it's not wrong that a hailstorm acts that way, it's just not the way I think. So I tend to be critical of it. I don't have to be, but I tend to be. Hailstorms think they're all just perfectly natural, normal, good behaviors, and turtles think their behaviors are all naturally normal and good behaviors. It's just when we put the two together, it helps to understand what's happening. Your list is reflecting what other people have said. I love the way you're putting it, really well put. Um, here's what others have said, and it really matches well what you're concluding to. Hailstorm behaviors upsetting the turtles, storming, piling one thing on top of another, too much all at once, blaming them, analyzing them. I'm not here, I'm in my shell, and, and then this other person is trying to figure out why, uh, crowding them out, not giving me my space. Turtle behaviors that upset hailstorms, right, disappearing, pulling into your shell. 
uh, shutting down, not communicating, slowness. Um, they're behaviors that can be good, but they can also cause trouble. They can also cause conflict. If we know that my spouse is this, this way, and I know that's going to happen, boy, that can really help me react in a healthy way. Here's, here's another activity. Same side of the room, turtles, all of you together, determine three actions to coax a turtle out of its shell. So what could a hailstorm do that would help you instead of irritate you? Hailstorms on your side of the room, same thing, determine three actions that could calm you down when you're hailing down hail like you do. Same recorder for each group. Get your responses to the keyboard just like you did it before. Very well done. Tell us the actions that would help. Coax a turtle out of the shell or calm down a hailstorm. Turtles like chocolate. It's a well-known fact. Is that right, Michael? Michael says, give me chocolate and give me a hug and I'll be happy. Good to know that, whoever your spouse is. Turtle, respond with calmness. Isn't that so true? That's your strength, turtle. So use that strength. Keep uh, your answers coming. You can keep looking at them and learn from each other. Uh, this is what others have said. To coax a turtle out, ask, what do you need right now? Uh, the turtle wants safety and security, and so this gives him a, a nice way to, to feel safe and be brought out, out of his or her shell. Recognize the stability they bring, and, and just don't do anything. Just let the turtle have that place of bringing stability. Give them shell time and let them come back when they are ready. Uh, 
write a note. That's something that a turtle can process in his or her own time and own way. To calm a hailstorm, ask what's going on. Um, turtle, you don't always have to hide. You can come out of your shell and you're good at listening. So just ask the question and listen and let the hailstorm give you his or her answer. Give a token of his or her appreciation, or of, of your appreciation rather, um, gently assuring your hailstorm that you've got his or her back. You're on their side. Uh, is there something I can do for you? Um, the kinds of communication that will help. You know, when the turtle learns to come out of his shell a little bit, and uh, when the hailstorm learns to lessen his hailing just a little bit, um, well, something really good happens. Not only do we gain important skills, but we become more like the other person. And, and as the turtle becomes more like the hailstorm, and as the hailstorm becomes more like the turtle, we, we give ourselves to the other. We put the other person first, and that's always good. Before the next activity, go back to your spouse. Uh, so I don't know if you need to rearrange chairs or tables, I'll give you a minute, not even a minute, just to get back together with your spouse. Okay, hope you made it back to your spouse. This is just going to be between the two of you. One thing I've learned about us. Um, I'll play a little music to provide some background noise. Again, if that's working with your sound system, wonderful. If not, go ahead and just mute me. Um, one thing I've learned about us when it comes to turtles and hailstorms and, and our incompatibility and how we communicate. Complete that sentence to each other. I'll play some music for a minute or two while you talk. Thank you. 
Well, one of the things we learn from our differences is we can learn to put each other first. It's, uh, it gives us an opportunity to put each other first. Incompatibility is grounds for marriage. And it's an opportunity to treat your spouse as Jesus treats you. Well, here's what you've done tonight. You have appreciated incompatibility by understanding reasons for our incompatibility and applying the gospel as the solution. And then you've applied that gospel to one small, specific way, our, our communication as either maximizers, hailstorms, or minimizers, turtles. Capture what it is you want to take out of this, what you want to follow up on, what you want to do. Use the Our Plan section on page six. I'll play a little music for a couple minutes, and then I'll come back and we'll wrap this up. Well, tonight you've experienced just a piece, a little section of a Wells Marriage Enrichment and Getaway Weekend uh, called simply Marriage. Join us next Wednesday for a piece from Richer Marriage. Have you ever been part of any enterprise or organization that could not improve communication? No. No one is ever satisfied with how well we communicate. 87% um, of married people say this is an area we need to work on. 
especially true for Christians because this is how husbands love their wives and wives respect their husbands. And, and this is how we glorify God in our marriages. Join us next week for an hour. I'll teach you how to listen and speak for love and respect. Just a reminder, go to wells.net, check out a marriage enrichment and getaway weekend near you. And if you're anywhere in the Midwest, join us in Zion, Illinois in March. There's time and there's vacancy available there. It's a great Valentine's Day gift. Let's close with a prayer. Thank you, Lord God, that in spite of our differences, you make us one. You make us one with you and you make us one with each other in marriage. And for all that that means, we ask your help in understanding and we ask your help in putting into practice. Thank you for solving our greatest incompatibility by making us your children. And now show us what it would look like to live together with that same commitment that we would be for one another and we would be happy to put the other ahead of ourselves, even when it comes to communicating through our differences. Bless us as we seek to practice that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.